Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We talk today to Andrew Pencathman, the CEO of Ardea Resources. We discuss the recent Godolphin Resources spin-out, and we talk about the Goongari Nickel Cobalt Development Project. They're going to need to bring in a strategic partner to pay for that because that is a large laterite project. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, Andrew. How are you, sir? Good, thanks. Great to be here. Well, thanks, thanks for joining us. New story uh, to us and our viewers and subscribers. Uh, so appreciate you taking the time. You're in uh, Perth. You're in this relative safe haven of Perth, are you? We're um, one of the most isolated cities in the world. And um, this time around, it may work to our advantage. <laughs> finally, finally. Okay, well, why don't we kick off with a one-minute summary of the business, and then we'll pick it up from there. Sure. Look, our day is a ASX listed company. We listed in February 2017. We're in a very fortunate position of having one of the largest nickel cobalt resources in the developed world. All of our projects are located in Western Australia, which just got voted by the Fraser Institute as the number one operational jurisdiction for in the resources space. We're very proudly West Australian. Our flagship Goongarri Nickel Cobalt projects only 80 kilometres north of the city of Kalgoorlie Boulder and the rich mining history there. All of our projects are in the eastern gold fields and in addition to the nickel cobalt laterite, we've got major gold bearing structures passing through the majority of our projects and the same Commoditeite host rocks that have been weathered to produce the nickel cobalt laterites are also prospective for nickel sulfides. So large nickel cobalt resource, critically important for the EV revolution, large major gold bearing structures passing through the basement rocks, exploration just sparking up for that and nickel sulfide potential as well. So we, we've got a lot to offer. You sound quite pleased. <laughs> you sound quite pleased about that. Um, okay, well, thanks for that summary. Um, I'm always interested in understanding the, <clears throat> the, the, the business plan, the, 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 the what is it that you're trying to do and the strategy for delivering that and who's going to deliver it and when and what's going to cost you. So I, I want to kind of get into that, if I may. But um, one thing I do want to discuss before we do that is um, the Godolphin Resources spin-off, which you did just before Christmas. Can you tell us what was that about? Why did you do that? Sure. So we had a large project portfolio in New South Wales, consisting of about 3,200 square kilometres of tenure in the Lachlan Fold Belt. Um, central New South Wales, it's a very well mineralised part of the world, um, number of different styles of mineralisation, porphyry, gold copper systems. Um, I guess the best example of that is, is Newcrest's flagship operation, um, Cadia Ridgeway mineral system. Um, recent large porphyry gold copper discovery by Alkane uh, called Boda. Um, with our tenure or Godolphin's tenure now, 
Um, it was all targeted based on large scale um, deep crustal structures that are the plumbing system for these mineral systems. Uh, there were porphyry targets defined on the um, Molong Volcanic Belt. That's the Copper Hill East project now for Godolphin. There's um, large um, gold systems that are related to the Godolphin Fault. And we've got um, Regis's McFilmy's deposit plus a million ounces. Um, we've got um, other explorers had recent intersections of uh, about 100 metres at about four grams per tonne on that same structural architecture. Godolphin have a very large tenement base over the, the sort of gold and, and base metal trends and their flagship project example is Lewis Ponds. Um, it was non-core to our day, having you know, the, one of the largest nickel cobalt resources in the world. Um, the best way to try and realise value from the New South Wales tenements was a um, new IPO with um, 30 million shares passed through in specie to existing Ardaya shareholders. So, you, you, you know, it, it's a dividend in a way, you know, all existing Ardaya shareholders are able to share in the success of, of Godolphin and, and get those free shares. It, well, it, it's a dividend if it, if it, if it's above water. Um, but why, why do it that way? Like, why did you look at formats? Did you, I mean, what, what were the other structures that you looked at rather than just go to complete spin out? Yeah, there were a number of options available to our day with regards to the New South Wales tenements. And, you know, we, we spoke to a number of um, potential cornerstone investors and they all had you know, particular ideas on specific projects, but not the whole tenement package. So whilst we could have done deals with a number of different companies, we thought it the best value for our shareholders would be by keeping that entire tenement package together. Mm. And, you know, whilst there's a huge amount of interest in exploration in the Lachlan Fold Belt in New South Wales now, that's more on the back of recent exploration success. And, you know, we, we decided to go down the path of the Godolphin spin-out um, before the discovery of the Boda Porphyry by Alcane and, and some other more recent exploration success by other explorers. So, you know, we think the timing's been, been tremendous and, it, and it's proof of concept of the prospectivity of that whole region. Okay, so I guess your shareholders are kind of keen to see what um, Godolphin does with their seven and a half million Aussie dollars in terms of being able to create value. I mean, the moment, I guess a lot of people are going to blame the market, but you know, the share, shares are down around 18 cents at the moment. So no, no one's making money today, but what's your expectation of what they may be able to do? In fact, what's your relationship with the management team there? I mean, how was that? How did that come about? The management team were put in place through standard re recruitment process and, you know, looking for high-caliber team to help manage that whole process moving forward. So Godolphin were admitted on the ASX on the 16th of December and started trading on, on, on the 18th. So it's, it's now a completely in, independent company. You know, the RDA team, you know, worked you know, very 
hard to to get it to that point but yeah it's now very much with 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 a golf and you know we don't have a say in the day-to-day management of that, no, that but but it's interesting so you you selected the individuals i get that they're now independent but you select it wasn't an existing management team looking for a project it was you you identified individuals and put the team together is that the way it worked that that's right and and you know we we had a core team you know to um really motivated um, project geologists sort of who were our day or employees and that they were basically running the field programs and the, the face of our day in, in and around Orange. And, you know, they've obviously moved on to, to Godolphin, but they, they were the core nucleus, if you like, and starting point of, of the entire Godolphin team. That's really interesting. I mean, I'm fascinated by this because it's like, you know, you, you pick the team, they've raised seven and a half million bucks, you know, the GNA is whatever the GNA is and the exploration plan is whatever that is, but you've got no control or no say in that anymore. So you're very reliant on that team being able to find uh, or succeed with the drill and hopefully then be able to raise money. Like I say, they're underwater at the moment, but hopefully at some point that'll that'll come good but it's it is exploration exploration risk albeit in a hardy perspective area you're, you're suggesting see you have full confidence i guess is the, the question i want to throw at you do you have full confidence in their ability to make something of that yeah i think we need to look at things in um light of say the coronavirus impact on global equity markets so given that they only started trading on the 18th of December. You know, the share price has got as high as, I think, 29 cents. Um, they're, they're just underwater at the moment. And, you know, we, we've seen that, you know, m- most companies have been hit pretty hard by the current global uncertainty. And, yeah, I, I, um, I, I believe that they'll, they'll certainly do far better than tread water and... Um, continue to gain momentum with, you know, high impact news flow, you, using the money raised, the 7.5 million you, you referred to, and um, putting money in, into the ground and um, letting the results do the talking. They've already put out some, you know, high impact releases, very encouraged by the um, new targets generated at the Gundagai Gold Project, um, very high impact surface, um, copper anomalism, um, native copper recognised at Copper Hill East prospect. So, you know, some really good indications, proof of concept of why the targets were selected and um, following up on those and um, letting the drilling do the talking. Okay. Well, look, and you've got 15 million um, options at 25 cents. So at some point that may create some some money for you or at least the ability to monetize that at some point one would hope but let, let's let's park that for now i guess we will keep watching that as your shareholders will eagerly to see how those boys get on so let's get back to to you so the the game plan in february 2017 was what what how did this thing start yep so brand new um <coughs> ISX listing um our day was a spin out from the parent company heron resources and Heron made the corporate decision to focus purely on New South Wales and um, development of their woodlawn base metals operation. 
and all you know the majority of other projects were spun out in, into our day resources so so again a very large tenement mix here in the goldfields western australia and also the godolphin tenements that we just spoke about because because i think between valet and heron there's about 50, 50 million bucks been spent uh about 400 thousand meters uh drilled so there's a lot of data which you've in- inherited as part of this is is, is that correct Exactly. So invaluable context and invaluable information. So for a um, junior resource company, you know, we've now got over a a million um, metres of of drilling in in, in our database. And, you know, it really gives us a strong competitive advantage. We're, We're not a company starting from scratch with, you know, Greenfield's project with very little known. Um, we can use that existing data set to continue to enhance and add value to all of our projects and, and open new opportunities, such as you know, historically, um, we, on the nickel cobalt laterite projects, we might have had nickel, um, cobalt, iron, silica, aluminium, assayed for, and, and not many other elements. You know, we, we run a 61 element assay suite. Mm. So, with all our new drilling but also we can go back to what's called the pulps so that's the leftovers from assay samples that were collected in some instances it could, could be 20 years ago by the likes of our valet and and inco and we can resubmit those to the assay laboratory that run our full 61 element suite and look at gold pyrefinders nickel sulfide pathfinders and you know it's our belief that there's discoveries in that data waiting to be made and that's a process we're going through at the moment. Okay so you've they, they, they've built this off the back of um, they knew what they were walking into because there's a lot of data available and they thought this is this could be significant and you understand the nickel cobalt uh, grades um, and which are which are great grades, by the way. They, they, these are very good grades, and the scale of the project as well is 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 known to you, and it's, and it's a large project. I mean, is your why did why did they bring you in, or why why were you approached to um, a, a year ago to get involved? Yeah, there was a transition period um, for the company where we had a um, our our chair. Uh, Katina Law was in a um, executive chair position in Buckhorn, still as a um, full-time technical director, and you know that felt that there was a need to bring in a um, CEO to assist in the management of the company, and that, that that's where I I came in. Okay, and uh, yes, I mean Katina, uh, she I mean she's buying shares at the moment, so she, she's obviously very into into it. But what what did you see at the time? What was the opportunity? as you saw and what were they not doing before you came along look what really appealed to me was um all australian projects and the large um strategic resource base with the nickel and cobalt but also you know the the outstanding exploration potential of i'm a geologist um i've maintained a number of different roles you know throughout my tenure in the resources sector, but, you know, I could really see the prospectivity here um, very much attracted to, to the addresses, you know, Lock and Fold Belt in New South Wales, Eastern Goldfields here in Western Australia. So they're 
you know, they're, they're, they're world-class mineral provinces and um, the prospectivity, the large tenement position, uh, the very tight capital structure, and no, it was a, you know, very attractive um, proposition and yeah, very grateful to be given the opportunity. What, what was your track record before? I mean, have you gone into companies in a similar role for a similar sized company and, and you know, either turned them around or created value? So just give me a sense of that. I, didn't, I couldn't find too much on your history. Sure. So look, for seven years um, before commencing with our day, I was working for a private company, um, evaluating resource projects around the world in a number of different styles of, of mineralisation. Um, prior to that, I, I was involved in um, ASX-listed extract resources and you know, was part of the team that helped extract make the transition from you know, a, a penny dreadful to an ASX top 100 stock with the discovery of the Rossing South, or as it's known now, Husab Uranium Project in, in Namibia. And that, that experience to see the transition from, you know, a struggling, you know, junior resources company to, you know, such a large organisation was just invaluable. And I, I see a lot of analogies, you know, Husab or Rossing South was a very large um, strategic mineral resource. And, you know, I, I can see the synergies here with, with our days, Goongarry and Kalgoorlie nickel projects. You know, it, it's very large, it, it's strategic, and it's going to be critical to providing, you know, future supplies. And um, big organisations, you know, like to be able to plan in time periods of, of decades. And, um, right. you know, I think those projects provide that optionality and you know, I, I believe you know our, our time will come. I bet you're glad to be out of the uranium space at the moment. Yeah uh, look I that was fantastic experience at, at, at yeah. the time. I, I started my career in in the gold fields of Western Australia and, and I'm very happy to, to be back here you know living and working yep. in Western Australia and you know I, I love WA gold. So it's just the way you're describing it to me, um, it, I don't know what you did at Husab, but it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a managerial position in the sense you weren't running or, or board, board director level. It was building out the the resource and the scale of the opportunity there. Um, and then you've been in the private sector, but have you got public market experience of building up exploration companies, or are you looking at it, or have you been brought in? To look at it from the technical perspective, with your you know geological background, I mean, what, what's where where do you sit in the organisation in terms of what you're bringing to the table? Sure, look, certainly at extract and, and roles before that, it is very much a, a strong corporate focus. So I sort of help lead the strategic partner team there, um, assisted with a lot of the investor relations work, you know, dealing with our shareholders and. Um, we had a transition with a managing director who was Australian-based. Uh, moving on, and then the new managing director being based in, in London, but our primary listing was still on the ASX, and um, I certainly worked with the team to take on board a, a lot of those responsibilities of it being an um, ASX-listed company and involved in 
Corporate Roadshow shareholder liaison um, company presentations at major conferences, etc. So, now all, all that experience is is very relevant and, and similarly with, with roles prior to that. Okay, so can we talk about um, money momentarily? Okay, because I'm I'm looking at the market caps around well as of this morning about forty six million or this afternoon. 46 million Aussie, um, obviously taken a bit of a hit since you did the Godolphin spin out. Uh, again, maybe market conditions or or is it? Yeah, look, I think very much market condition related, you know, looking at our um, PE companies, you know, they're, they're all sort of well down at similar levels. And you now some of our investors, you know, see Ardea as a proxy for nickel and cobalt, but, you know, as you know, I'll articulate during this discussion, I, I believe there are a whole lot more than that mm. a, as well. Um, but yeah, nickel and cobalt prices are, are currently depressed. We've got the coronavirus uncertainty. So, you know, obviously I'd prefer to see the share price a lot higher than it is. But um, yeah, we're in a similar boat to, you know, our, our peers at the moment. Okay. And how much cash have you got at the moment? Yeah, we had... Um, <clears throat> 10.7 million at the end of the December quarter, and we'll be putting out a, an update um, in our March quarterly report that'll come out during April. And what, what was your monthly burn on average for the last quarter of, of 2019? Yeah, so look, at, at the moment, our, our burn rate sort of varying between, in the current budget, between uh, 1.2 and um, 2 million per quarter depending on, on the activities underway at that point in time. Okay, so that gives us a sense of where, where your cash position is at, at the moment. Um, so what are, the, what are the plans with that money? What are you going to be, what are you doing at the moment and what are you going to be doing in, Q, in Q2 of 2020? Sure, so look, the, the focus for us at the moment here, um, we've got some feasibility study work streams ticking along in the background on Goongarry, aimed at add, adding further value, um, identifying you know, the best quality water. We know we've got sufficient water to develop the project, but you know, the, the better the quality, it has flow on effects for lower capital and, and operating costs. Uh, we're doing more work on our in-pit neutraliser and also our high-grade mine strategies. So we've got projects such as um, highway, less than 30 kilometres trucking distance, um, Siberia North that are going to be brought into our high-grade mine strategy. And it's yeah, our contention that we can maintain um, feed grades um, well in excess of 1% for a you know, minimum of um, 15 years and, and beyond that. So that sort of work streams underway at the moment and then okay. uh really really excited about um re-evaluating re the highway resource and evaluating the historical data so our resource geologist um just finishing off some some work on um the goongarry deposits and he'll be moving on the highway shortly but part of that process was was evaluating the existing assay data and you know i've seen some um you know, highly encouraging um, gold pathfinder results. Um, we, 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 I can't say too too much about it, is it um, because we, we've got the, the samples in at the assay lab, but, you know, we, we, we're aiming to, you know, to find um, orogenic gold and, and nickel sulphide 
targets out of that data as well. And you know, once we've got the results, you know, we'll, we'll be up, updating the market accordingly. Okay, so you're spending money trying to be clearer about what you've got. It sounds to me like, are you a project? <clears throat> pardon me. Are you a project developer, or are you planning to get one or some or all of this into production yourselves? Well, we're a project developer and, and we're an explorer. And, and uh, I think that's one of our core strengths because we've got that optionality. Right. Okay. So good. So that positions it for me. So with this, you know, you've got, you've got, you're sitting on a, a lot of land with a lot of pro, pros, uh, prospects. Um, nickel, cobalt, the right area for the EV revolution. We, we, you know, I think everyone's a buyer of the macro. It's a question of timing for that. And I get, I get the gold component. But can we talk about how you plan to move the company forward. So if you're a project developer slash explorer, you have stated that you are in discussions, but you won't be rushed into finding a strategic partner. So with the strategic partner process, you know, we, we, we maintain 100% of our offtake and, and that's quite deliberate. We, we could have um, signed or, or committed uh, the offtake m- multiple times in the past, but you know that that's got to be linked to funding commitments. Um, we acknowledge we we need a large partner to develop Goongarry, so they have to come in with with the funding commitments, to, and they can earn an equity stake in, in the project as well and you know presumably from their perspective they're going to want that link to offtake because that that's that's the end game um so that's sort of one core area of the organization and we're working closely with kpmg on on that process and when you say large because you're 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 laterite rather than sulfites right so that suggests very big numbers indeed um, which must restrict the number of partners that you can possibly talk to. Um, how long have you, so when did KPMG get involved and how long have they been having discussions with potential strategics? Yeah, look, the strategic partner process has been, been running for a bit, bit over a year now. And you have discussions with, with various groups, um, different jurisdictions around the world and it could be you know very large mining companies um large um gigafactory manufacturer um ev or you know traditional vehicle manufacturer but obviously they're, they're all transitioning into the um electric vehicle space and internal combustion engines you know very much in decline um is strong interest in in the project the partners that we're talking to you know they're not rushing off and, and saying gee you know well we'll go and do a deal that there's been no one else has, has done a large deal um in, in this in this space and i think the the realization with the nickel supply crunch is is going to put pressure on various organisations to enter these agreements and a large part of it's that 
the changing the, the mindset that you're not going to go down to the shop and, you know, you're not going to be able to buy a, a loaf of bread, litre of milk or the nickel you need to go, go into your batteries. You're going to be forced to partner with companies like Ardea and develop projects like Goongarry to secure that supply. It, it's all about security of supply and pricing. And, you know, our, our largest uh, base case has been 2.25 million tonne per annum project, which in um, nickel metal production terms, let, let, let's just sort of round it off. But, you know, it, it, it's in the realms of sort of 18 to 20 million um, sorry, 18 to 20,000 tonnes of nickel metal per, per annum. But, you know, most of the organisations we're talking to want, want 40 to 50,000 tonnes of nickel metal equivalent per annum. So we, we could commit to the detailed DFS at, at those scales and then they'll turn around and say, well, actually, we, we need, um, you know, four or six million tonnes per annum. So, you know, we think it's um, incredibly important that, the, that we get the strategy right from the start so that we select the optimum strategic partner and we agree on the project scale and also the end product specification. Do they want a sulphate product or a um, mixed sulphide product? precipitate or mixed hydroxide precipitate. So, you know, there's a lot to it. You could burn through a lot of engineering and a lot of money on um, engineering that isn't fit for purpose. Yeah. So where, so where are you with that, that process? Because if I listen to the way that you des describe the Godolphin uh, spin-out process, you're very careful about what you want to do and how you go about doing that and, and that's great for something like this the nickel market has you know had its issues in the last you know year or so um and i think it's got in a bit of a dip at the moment because of you know oversupply in the market from scrap etc uh and the corona hasn't helped but what's stopping these guys whether they be gigafactories automotive or some of the you know the the, the the big nickel guys coming in today, if they know this demand is coming, you've got a lot of data, but they're, they're not stepping in and saying, hey, right, let, let, let's do something now. Are, are you slowing it down or are they unsure about the market? Um, you know, and how much more do you need to do before you can actually say, okay, this, this is the construction of the agreement that we're happy with. This is the partner that we're happy going with what are the holdups i guess that's what investors want to know what's 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 slowing this down uh, look at this these processes do do take time i mean the, the last direct example i was in took took three years there were um some of the largest mining companies in the world on the on the share registry um a number of very large organizations buying on market you know it was, it was a jostle for control and it was a hot commodity price cycle and it still took three years. So you've got organisations that um, yeah, tend to be quite large, tend to be bureaucratic and you've got to go through various layers of due diligence. You've got to build relationships. So I, I can't say to you today, oh, you know, it's going to take three months. 
I, you know, I can't tell you how how long it's going to take, uh, other than saying you know, that the process is continuing, and you know, it, you know, we believe it's just a matter it's just a matter of time. Okay, so these are these are big multi you know billion dollar plus companies. You're a forty six million dollar company today. You're not really in control of timing and, and and those discussions, other than being able to show them what you've got, right? You've, you've got high grade nickel co- cobalt and of a, of a meaningful size, or certainly enough to be interesting um, to them. How much more money do you need to spend? On the nickel cobalt projects to be able to, you know, st- you know, speed up or have try and start having some influence on the the timing of these discussions, or are you just a sort of passenger in all of this? Well, the, these the DFS or feasibility study work streams that we continue on in, in the background, you know, where it's going to help advance um, the the project once the strategic partners selected. But you know, we we have to be measured in our budget allocation with that work. You know, we don't want to burn through all our cash at once. You know, we've, we've got a fantastically tight capital structure, you know, just over 117 million shares on issue. We're well funded. So we, we just got to operate prudently on those work streams and, and knowing that we need to work with the strategic partner to define the, the optimum process capacity and product specification and the like. But countered with with that is is you know looking at the other opportunities available to us in addition to that to help maximise project value and that's you know very much the the gold exploration and the nickel sulphide exploration so we could sit still do and and do nothing or we can look you know at the incredible strategic ground position we've got with with major gold-bearing structures and also uh, nickel sulphide potential and go, well, gee, you know, we, this hasn't seriously been looked at or no one's seriously looked at this for two or, th- or three decades. So um, that's a great opportunity to us. So yeah, we, we're we not just the nickel cobalt, that, that's first and foremost, but, but by the way, you know, that, don't, don't forget the gold, don't forget the nickel sulphide and and that's certainly exploration opportunities that we're currently accelerating. And I, I do appreciate that. You know, you've got lots of optionality, which is which is great. But again, we've had a few companies come on here recently this 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 year and tell us that they don't necessarily need to follow the conventional rules of doing a PFS and FS a DFS. That they're able to get in offtake agreements or funding at you know very early stages. PEA in one case. Uh, pre-feasibility study in, in, in another. But as far as you're concerned, what I'm hearing is you're going to follow the conventional process, get to DFS stage, at which point you obviously know more about the economics and have advanced the strategic partner conversations to the point where you can make a decision. Or do you see the ability to get an offtake in place before the DFS? I very much see the um, optionality to get um, off-take in place before the DFS. I mean, we have completed um, PFS studies that, you know, de- demonstrate, you know, a, a viable project development. So, and that's, that's the information that the strategic partner process is, is reviewing and it's out in the public domain. So, you know, we're, we're quite comfortable with that. You know, for a large project development, 
you know, pre presumably, you know, was that that large partner, we could agree on the project some um, scale and end product specs, which then is tied into the DFS. So, you know, it's all very much intertwined and, you know, you want to ensure the optimum development of the project, de-risk it, make sure that everything is developed on time within budget and that your ramp up process is as seamless as possible. And, you know, some of the other projects you mentioned, I, I can't comment on, but, you know, it's all about de-risking the project. And if you're, you know, you want to operate to best global standards, you've got to take into account things like the equator principles, um, you know, operating, uh, minimising the environmental impact. Um, and when, you know, we're, we're taking all those things into account in our project development and that would be reflected in, in the DFS. And if perhaps a strategic partner would fund the project 100% or, or you'd need presumably to work with export credit agencies and the like to secure funding for that project development and, and no bank or um, ECA, they're, they're going to want to know that everything's been done to the likes of the equator principles and that you have completed, you know, definitive feasibility studies. So uh, if it's a very small project, maybe you can get away with um, not completing that detailed work. But, but, but no, certainly in, in my experience, you, yeah, you, you, you have to do that. Okay. And, and for the shareholders, I'm just trying to think of the shareholders again. You know, you've, you've been on a bit of a slide since, since the Godolphin uh, project and you've explained maybe some of the reasons why. So when does this thing start picking up and what are the, what are the causes of that going to be? Yeah, so look, we've, we've got the value-adding um, feasibility work streams and there'll be various updates. Um, we've got the assay results um, coming through from the pulps at, at highway and as i mentioned you know we, we're um looking forward to getting those and, and defining um gold and nickel sulfide targets and following up with drilling we've got our exploration team active on the target generation front um on the nickel sulfide side we're, we're working with um well-respected industry consultants new exco um on target generation and again i There'll, there'll be news flow on that um, in, in the not too distant future. Um, a on the targets and, and B the follow up work planned, and then um, on our Bardock tectonic zone. So that's the, the gold bearing um, structural architecture that runs under our Goongarry project. So mm. it's a northern strike extension of the Boulder Lefroy Fault, which is responsible for hosting you know, millions of ounces. Um, St. Ives in the south through Kalgoorlie, you know, the super pit, you know, with very well documented major gold bearing structures on our projects along the Bardock tectonic zone. They tend to be under alluvial cover or the laterite profiles developed on top of it. So it obscures the basement rocks which contain the gold mineralization. Uh, we've got a lot of very detailed geophysics. We've got an outstanding exploration team and we've got multiple targets being generated and um, we'll commence drilling those in the very near future. Be strong news flow from that work. And just to give an example of the proof of concept of the Bardock tectonic zone, gold fertility, you know, we, we announced some results from Big Four 
So that area sort of crops out at surface. Um, it was found by the prospectors. We followed up with some drilling and um, just last week, you know, some headline results like 18 metres at 13.38 um, grams per tonne, uh, 20 metres at 2.91 grams per tonne. You know, they're, they're very significant results. So for us, it's proof of concept with the Bardock Tectonic Zone prospectivity. And, you know, we, we're certainly looking forward to following up on those results and maintaining that strong pipeline and use flow. And with the Australian dollar gold price at, at record highs, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a great option to have. And there are very few companies in that position, you know, globally significant nickel cobalt resource, 65 kilometres of strike of major gold bearings. There's a lot of optionality there for you. There's a lot of variables as, 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 as well. And, you know, to take advantage of all of this, you know, the nickel, pri nickel cobalt prices need to recover somewhat, one suspects. And um, if you can get into gold production and the Aussie gold price is still high, then you can take advantage of that. But, you know, those are some, those are some way off, it, it, it seems to me. You know, I'm, I'm being, I've been fascinated listening to you today. So all these moving parts and how do you compartmentalize them enough for people to understand what the plan is is for each but as an, uh, do appreciate the overview um today from you exciting times for you um you've got a a lot to do i hope that uh, some of these events do you know are the catalyst for pro you know changing your in your share price and your fortunes because no one wants to be raising money at, the, at this share price i suspect in, in the organization going forward but um thank you for today um great first introduction if you could come back and let us know how you're getting on and you know next quarter that'd be fantastic i think there's uh you've got a lot of f uh, adoring fans on the chat room so uh, i seem very pleased with what you're doing um let's hope the share price recovers for them too now absolutely we'll um continue to focus on our projects and yeah, adding value and certainly watch your space with the news flow and yeah, look forward to staying in touch. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.